Hey everyone, my name is Adam Barfoot and welcome to episode 33 of the Counseling and Functional Fitness Podcast. I'm a mental health therapist and I'm also a CrossFit Level 1 trainer. The Counseling and Functional Fitness Podcast focuses on the integration of mental health and fitness. In this episode, I discuss how you can better understand your emotions and improve your emotional intelligence, as well as how you can use your emotional intelligence to improve yourself and help others. I am working in private practice at New Beginnings Counseling Center in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I enjoy helping my clients build resilience, hope, and courage in their lives. I work with teenagers and adults who are seeking to improve their emotional health, relationships, and ways of working through life's challenges. I particularly enjoy working with athletes who are looking to improve their performance and people who work in high-performance environments who have high expectations. Improving our mental health directly affects our performance, whether we are on the court, field, in the gym, or our workplace. I believe that you are capable of great things, and I would love to be a part of your journey of healing and growth. If you would like to meet with me for therapy, you can follow the link to my Psychology Today profile, which is in the description of this podcast episode, and you can call the phone number on that website to schedule a therapy session with me. Take a moment to ask yourself, how am I feeling right now? What are different words you can use to describe your current emotional state? Consider what the differences are of those words that come to mind. Consider what has happened in the distant past, the recent past, the here and now in this present moment, and what might happen in the future that could be affecting how you are feeling in this moment. We often have many words to describe common occurrences and special events in our lives. Things such as how our workday was, how our favorite team did in their game last weekend, what we thought about what someone said or something we saw. But then when it comes to the state of our emotions, which we are constantly experiencing, we often have little to say and very few words to describe how we are feeling. We might have words to describe the events that may have caused how we felt, but not as many people have an extraordinary amount of words in their emotion vocabulary to describe the state of their soul, mind, and body. In his book called Emotional Intelligence, Daniel Goleman says, In its most literal sense, the Oxford English Dictionary defines emotion as any agitation or disturbance of mind, feeling, passion, any vehement or excited mental state. I take emotion to refer to a feeling and its distinctive thoughts, psychological and biological states, and range of propensities to act. In that same book, Daniel Goleman says that emotional intelligence includes abilities such as being able to motivate oneself and persist in the face of frustrations, to control impulse and gratification, to regulate one's moods and keep distress from swamping the ability to think, to empathize, and to hope. 
In Mark Brackett's book called Permission to Feel, he references the definition of emotional intelligence by Peter Salve and John Mayer, that is, the ability to monitor one's own and others' feelings and emotions, to discriminate among them, and to use this information to guide one's thinking and actions. Throughout this episode, when I refer to quotes by Daniel Goleman, they are from his book called Emotional Intelligence. And when I refer to quotes by Mark Brackett, they are from his book called Permission to Feel. So it's important to have these definitions to have a clear understanding of what emotions are and what emotional intelligence is. Ways we can grow in our emotional intelligence include identifying what we are feeling, understanding the reasons we feel that way, having words to describe and label our emotions, being able to explain how we feel, and being able to regulate our emotions. Identifying what we are feeling takes time, and improving our emotional intelligence takes time. Everyone has a wide range of emotions, and the beginning of learning to identify them is being aware that we are feeling and being aware of how we are feeling. Many people have learned to push down, bottle up, or not pay close attention to how they are feeling. This can be seen with many men, and I'm planning to do an episode in the future about men's mental health and specific tools and techniques that men can use to better understand their mental health and to improve it, as well as those things that therapists can use with clients. We have to be aware of something before we can do anything about it. Noticing is awareness. Noticing our emotions is the beginning of emotional intelligence, and that's simply noticing them instead of judging them as good or bad or labeling them as positive or negative. Noticing our emotions makes a vast difference instead of pretending as if we don't feel anything or ignoring our emotions or numbing them. Doing those things does not negate the fact that we are indeed experiencing emotion right now. The resistance to address our emotional state leads to having to deal with our emotions at a later time, which, if we put off more and more, they can feel as if they are larger and more looming, even more intimidating to address. It can be a repeating and vicious cycle that leaves us worse than it found us. Similarly, with difficult experiences, if we put off facing difficulty in our lives, the effects can stack up and be more daunting to address later on. In functional fitness, the sooner we address a specific movement or a workout that is a weakness for us, we can think of more ways to make it no longer a weakness. We can address it with thought and purpose. And in functional fitness, we have to work hard to turn a weakness into a strength, but it is possible. We can work diligently and purposefully on improving our weaknesses, and everyone who has done this knows that it is difficult work, and it is difficult work worth doing. A quote from Mark Brackett is, The irony, though, is that when we ignore our feelings or suppress them, they only become stronger. The really powerful emotions build up inside us, like a dark force that inevitably poisons everything we do, whether we like it or not. Hurt feelings don't vanish on their own. They don't heal themselves. 
If we don't express our emotions, they pile up like a debt that will eventually come due. Mark Brackett talks about a method of improving emotional intelligence called the RULER method. That's R-U-L-E-R. Each letter of that word RULER stands for a separate word. R is recognize, U is understand, L is label, E is express, and R is regulate. To recognize our emotions, we can ask ourselves, what am I feeling? And of course, this includes emotions. It can also include mental states, physical sensations, and desires to act in one way or another. To understand our emotions, we can ask ourselves, what happened for me to feel this way? This could be something in the distant past, the recent past, something that's happening in the present moment, in the here and now, or something that we think could happen in the future. Understanding the reasons that we feel certain ways requires reflection, attention, and noticing what has gone on, what is going on, and what we think might happen in the future. Questions we can ask ourselves to improve our understanding of the reasons for our emotions are, what is this emotion a reaction to? When have I felt this way before and what happened then to lead to this emotion? What has happened in the distant past that may be contributing to the emotion I'm having right now? What happened years ago, last year, last month, last week, or yesterday that could have led me to feeling this emotion? What about something that I think could happen in the future? To label our emotions, we can ask ourselves, what can I call this feeling? Sometimes unpleasant emotions can feel even more overwhelming when we don't have a word for them or we don't have the language to label them. To give our emotions a label is to gain a further sense of understanding of them and can provide us with a way forward, being now that I have recognized, understood, and labeled what I'm feeling, what can I do about it? The better words we have to describe our emotions and differentiate between our commonly felt emotions, the better we can identify what exactly it is that we are feeling, and that also helps us identify tools to regulate our emotions. Emotional intelligence goes beyond the most commonly used words of happy, sad, angry, and good, which is a word that many people use to describe their present emotional state. Mark Brackett has an emotions chart that I found to be very helpful. It explains how two parts of emotion are pleasantness and energy. This creates four quadrants, those being high on both pleasantness and energy, low on both pleasantness and energy, high on pleasantness, low on energy, and low on pleasantness, high on energy. An emotion that is high on pleasantness and high on energy is excitement. You are looking forward to what you're going to do and you have lots of energy that you can put towards doing that thing. Emotions that are low on pleasantness and low on energy are sadness and depression. Those things are not enjoyable to feel and they can lead to having low energy and not wanting to do very much. An emotion that is high on pleasantness and low on energy is being calm. It is very enjoyable and gives steady energy, not too much or not too little. 
Emotions that are low on pleasantness and high on energy are anxiety and anger. Those are not enjoyable to feel and can lead to having lots of mental energy that we either don't really know what to do with or we can act in destructive ways. From emotion charts, we can learn words that can help us label our emotions better. And there are many emotion charts available online that you can very easily find. The most helpful emotion charts are the ones that help us differentiate between emotion states that we commonly feel. We can take anger, for example. Some words to help us differentiate emotion states that feel similar to anger are frustrated, confused, overwhelmed, agitated, rage, irritated, and aggravated. To express our emotions, we can ask ourselves, how can I explain what I'm feeling? This can be explaining how we're feeling to someone else, but other ways to express are to journal, and it can also work to say how we are feeling out loud to ourselves, and then take an outsider perspective to our emotion that can help us think through the emotion and find a path forward, just as we could possibly do with someone else who confided in us, telling us they were feeling a certain emotion. To regulate, we cope with the emotion as needed. Words that are similar in definition to the word regulate are control, adjust, manage, balance, and set. Some of the many ways that people regulate or cope with their emotions are listening to music, talking with a friend, reading, enjoying a hobby, taking a walk, exercising, as well as thinking through and working through emotions. Emotion regulation is about getting our emotions back on track. The goal here is not to not feel, but the goal is to feel appropriate emotion. It's important to feel emotions that are proportionate and appropriate for our circumstance. Regulating our emotions is also about being able to calm ourselves when we need calming and also getting our engine going when we need to. We need to down-regulate when we are feeling overstimulated, which could be anxiety from going into a big game, going into a major life event, and we also need skills to up-regulate when we are experiencing sadness, low energy, or a generally low mood. A book that can be especially helpful in understanding this concept and learning more about it is called Boost by Michael Bar Eli. The subtitle of that book is How the Psychology of Sports Can Enhance Your Performance in Management and Work. One of my favorite concepts from that book is how the author talks about three basic pillars of a mental preparation program that applies to sports as well as management and work. He describes them as, first, he says, thought control, the way performers think, in terms of their own definition of the situation, motivation and commitment, expectations and attention and concentration. The second being arousal regulation, mainly relaxation to combat over arousal, but also psyching yourself up. And third, he says, is imagery, which is imagining actions and success. So being able to explain and express what we are feeling can provide relief. Going through difficult experiences in life is hard enough, period. 
I've found that the difficulty feels even more unmanageable when we feel alone in our emotion and we feel as if we are the only person in existence to ever have struggled with a particular situation or behavior. As we grow in emotional intelligence, we do not only improve ourselves, but we can use our emotional intelligence to help others. When we have something great, we must not keep it to ourselves, but we can share it, both to improve ourselves and help others. The same goes for mental health and fitness. When we find something powerful, we want to share it with others. We can grow from having knowledge and wisdom, and perhaps we can further that growth even more when we pass our knowledge and wisdom on to others. Becoming emotionally intelligent is not only an intellectual journey. We must learn from our experiences, both externally and internally. Externally, we can learn from situations we are in, conversations we have, how we are treated, and how we treat others. Internally, we can learn from the states we experience inside of our mind, such as our thoughts and emotions. Every moment is information. In functional fitness, every workout can teach us something new if we are willing to learn from it. And the same goes for life experiences. Remember that in functional fitness, we get better in the gym so that we can thrive outside of the gym. In therapy and counseling, we do the difficult work so that we can thrive in our everyday life. The work I do with my therapy clients is not to get them to be average, but I want to help them thrive and achieve their dreams and aspirations. Cameron Haynes, in his book called Endure, says, Average effort yields average results. This is true for our mental health and our fitness. If we pursue something with average effort, we should not be surprised when we get an average result. When we go all in on the journey of improvement and expend great effort, we will see different results than if we only put in half-hearted effort. Mark Brackett talks about becoming what he calls an emotion scientist. This consists of deeply considering what is going on for us and becoming more emotionally intelligent. We can investigate what is going on and work to find a better path forward. We can explore what might have caused us to feel this way, expressing it in some way if we need to, and regulating our emotions to get to a place where we want to be. All emotions serve a purpose because emotions are messengers. Emotions can tell us things that maybe we cannot recognize right away with our words. The better we get at putting words to our emotions, the less overwhelming they can be and the better we can regulate them. Emotions are information. They bring with them a message if we are willing to hear, understand, and learn it. We can't do those things if we run from, hide from, or numb our emotions. I've learned from personal experiences that facing life's challenges and emotions instead of running from them makes all the difference in our journey of learning, healing, and growing. When we view our emotions as messengers instead of mental and physical states that are outside of our control, we can begin to practice the mastery of examining our emotions and realizing what they are trying to tell us. Then we have a pathway forward. 
Emotions can show us things in ways that rational thought sometimes cannot. With unpleasant and difficult emotions, the healing can be in the feeling. We must feel difficult and unpleasant emotions rather than run or hide from them if we want to heal. When we shut off or mute our feelings of difficult and unpleasant emotions, we also mute our ability to feel very pleasant emotions. We cannot just cut off one and expect to readily and freely experience the other. Going through life with difficulty or hesitancy or resistance to feel emotion can be similar to watching a movie on mute. So with the sound off, that's not the full experience or how life is meant to be experienced. Maybe emotions are a vital part of flourishing, thriving, and enjoying life. Emotions are not meant to be numbed away or put on the shelf. Attempting to shut off our feeling of difficult and unpleasant emotions can be a way of coping with overwhelming unpleasant emotions. Some people feel emotionally numb as a reaction to those overwhelming unpleasant emotions at some time in their lives, particularly in experiencing trauma. The emotional numbness could be a response that actually says, I'm feeling so many different things right now, it's easier for me to disconnect from them and block them out as much as I can. George Mumford, in his book called The Mindful Athlete, says, We can either make ourselves miserable or we can make ourselves strong. The amount of work is the same. So now is the time to realize that we are all putting efforts into either growing or stunting the potential growth of our emotional intelligence with every action we take. We are all putting our efforts into something. Becoming aware of and focusing on what is the best use of our energy is a powerful step to take. In episode 32 of this podcast, which is called Hope in Action, I talked about the power of optimism compared to pessimism. Optimism sets us up for success and to have a better future, while pessimism sets us up for failure. The choice is ours. Optimism sets us up to remember our strengths, while pessimism constantly reminds us of where we and everyone else have come up short. Check out episode 32 of this podcast to hear more about optimism and the power of hope. In that same book, The Mindful Athlete, George Mumford says, A warrior accepts that we can never know what will happen to us next. We do not know what will happen in our lives. We have enough trouble figuring out how to make sense of what has happened in our past and what is happening now. That's plenty enough to focus on. The point is to learn from the past so that we can flourish in the present and set ourselves up for future thriving as much as we can. You write your story, and whether that is one where you claim defeat or victory, that's up to you. Years from now, you can look back on this very moment and time you are in, and a hope I have for you is that you are able to look back on today and be proud of yourself. Hardship visits everyone. Everyone from time to time feels unpleasant and difficult emotions. One of the differences between people who become better through their difficult experiences and those who crumble underneath the weight 
is whether we view hardship as part of our process of growth or as a hindrance to growth. So how will you answer that invitation to growth? Another quote from Mark Brackett, he says, understanding emotions is a journey, possibly an adventure. When it's finished, we may find ourselves someplace new, someplace unexpected, somewhere perhaps we had no intention of going. And yet there we are, wiser than before, maybe wiser than we wished to be, but there's no other way forward. So through diligent and consistent effort, we can become more emotionally intelligent. You can learn, you can heal, and you can grow. You can improve yourself and help others. Hey everyone, hope you enjoyed the episode. You can follow along with Counseling and Functional Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. You can contact me by emailing counselingandfunctionalfitness at gmail.com or by messaging Counseling and Functional Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. See you next time.